Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are you doing? I am doing quite well, Scott. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. It's been a busy, busy day already. It right? has. I think First meeting have. at 7.30 a.m. So, you know, uh, adulting today. So, lots of adulting. Yeah. Lots of adulting. You know, one of the things we were chatting about uh, pre-show, of course, was uh, Hurricane Ian. So yeah. if you're listening anywhere in, in the Florida or really the south southeastern U.S., Cuba, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Uh, and uh, we're going to be promoting some ways that folks can help out in the uh, recovery efforts uh, in the coming days. So, Greg, I know you probably echo my my sentiment there. I do because I'm I care about my neighbors who are in the path. Right. right. So we're keeping a close eye on it here. You guys, if you see me look away, it might be because I'm looking at the map. Mm. Well, it's amazing how quickly that has been churning, but and changing them. so quickly. Right? right. As you said, I think they just started calling it the storm of the century. And um, the I think, you know, we talked about this in the green room. The landing position has moved like 60 miles south in about 40 minutes. Wow. So, and of it's course, they, you know, they don't know. They call it the cone of uncertainty. Think about that. <laughs> Even though it's a huge cone, it's still uncertain. Mm. So, On a much lighter note, what we're chatting about here today is the great freight unknown. Kind of a similar theme. <laughs> hey, so, nice one. We good, try. How can segue. We, <laughs> how can we best navigate the challenging freight market through the end of the year and into 2023? It's unbelievable. We're almost in October, goodness, of 2022. So, Greg, uh, should be a great conversation, right? Yeah, gosh, we got some insights again in the green room. You know, we should really let people in the green room, shouldn't we? <laughs> no, we're going to talk about this on the show, but just some unbelievable and dramatic changes over the last several weeks and and months. So I think it's going to be really compelling. It's going to be concise and compelling. Agreed. And very practical. Practical and and informational. So stay tuned. And again, wherever you're tuned in, welcome to conversation. We also want to hear from you as we navigate the next hour. We'd love to get your thoughts, your observations on what Greg and I and our, our home run guests will be chatting through. Uh, and we already see Brian Pittman tuned in from Atlanta GA via LinkedIn. So Brian, great to see you here and welcome everybody. Big thanks to Chantel, Catherine, and Amanda behind the scenes helping to make production happen. Yeah. Okay. With no further ado, Greg, are you ready for our big time guest? I think we've had enough do. Yeah. <laughs> let's go for it. Well, let's welcome in Jeff McCorston, president, UPS Global Freight Forwarding. Great. Hey, hey, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Scott. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, Greg. Yeah. Welcome aboard. Great Thank to you. see you. Great to see you. And as, as Greg was alluding to, we should have recorded your pre-show conversation. You're you putting on a, a master class of sorts, Jeff. Yeah, I practically co-opted it. So, <laughs> well, let's do this. So, there's no greater time to do good, you know, good deeds and help folks in need when we're in situations like we were talking about on the front end. And tomorrow is as a fun warm-up question where we want to start with you here today, Jeff. Tomorrow, as it happens, is National Good Neighbor Day, right? So, when it comes to, I'm going to pose this to both of y'all. When it comes to good deeds. Uh, charitable initiatives, you know, things that are out there, organizations and people really helping others out. Jeff, what's one that you can pick that you really admire? Well, so let me uh, let me start with a, a call I received on Friday. I was up in Charlotte at the President's Cup, and my next door neighbor here, because we're not always at our place in Roswell, picked up the phone and called and wanted to make sure someone was around because there was a U-Haul truck in our driveway. Okay. And make sure that goods were actually going into the house rather than coming out of the house. <laughs> Fortunately, we were we were receiving a bed, so absolutely. But that was a that was a really cool call from a neighbor that we haven't known that long. Love that. So, Greg, we, we lean on I our hope neighbors. UPS was delivering that, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't want to be delivering king size mattresses. <laughs> 
Well, so Greg, same question. I know that we're kindred spirits here. You're involved in a lot of these these organizations, these initiatives. What's something that comes to your mind? Yeah, well, I mean, I just had the board meeting with uh, McKenna Farms Therapy Services this morning at 730. Horse people, so, you know, they get up early. Equine, physical therapy, vocational therapy, and speech therapy for the neurodiverse. And equine therapy is super powerful when, you know, when you're talking about people predominantly on the autism spectrum, it's, mm. it's a great comfort as well as way to help them interact. And just the stuff that we're doing that doing there, Jesse, our executive director is a godsend literally. And our chairman of the board, Ricky Poe, she and he literally started together with he being the veterinarian for the one horse that she had and then donating 20 grand to make this thing more real. And we just have continued to grow it. And the services are fantastic. And we've got a huge waiting list. So we've got big initiatives to expand. Love the, that. That sounds great. The farm. Love that. And I'll just uh, add sure one other that's uh, yeah. rather than not a neighbor, but more of a um, similar line. You know, I'm on the board of Good 360, which, you know, closes the needs gap in the United yeah. States, or at least helps close the needs gap. And Matt Connolly, who I believe has been on this show, was the CEO just replaced with uh, Romaine Seguin. And uh, what Romaine and Good 360 have done with our UPS Foundation is ask Matt and with his three decades at UPS and now three years with Good 360, what charitable organization he would like to donate to. And our, our foundation and Good 360 came together and are donating $50,000 each. So $100,000 wow. to the Atlanta Boys and Girls Clubs in about three weeks' time when we have our board meeting. So that's, that's pretty exciting stuff to be able to give back to local communities. I love that's that. Powerful stuff. Anyone else here a boys club participant as a kid? Uh, I, <laughs> I was. It's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's very, very good. I mean, it's a great organization. They do a lot of good in the community and, you know, for kids that really and truly need a, a hand up. Well, let me add one more. So Jeff, oh uh, a fellow UPSer, Lloyd Knight, was a, oh, group yeah. of, a small group of people that founded Vetlanta. And so if you're a veteran and you're looking to network and make those critical connections and far beyond, you need different kinds of support, uh, Vetlanta does great work. So y'all check out vetlanta.org and really appreciate all the leadership there. That's a great one. Lloyd is unbelievable with what he, he is, does. isn't he? Uh, I, uh, we actually did a, a veterans BRG group, a business resource group at UPS back in uh, 2011 that I was able to sponsor. Really? Man. Yeah. Well, it worked for me back then. Yeah. Okay. Well, Very you know, cool. the world becomes really small uh, and certainly blessed be the, the ties that bind. So a lot of good work, Greg and Jeff. Thank you all for, for shedding some light on these really important initiatives. Hey, really quick, Greg, before we continue with Jeff, uh, I just want to say hello to a few folks. Catherine oh, right. behind the scenes, helping to make production happen with Amanda Chantel. Jerry will try to touch on Bad congestion points on the West Coast. Thank you for being here via LinkedIn. Shelly, great to have you back. Late to the party, but you're here. That's yeah. all that matters. Hey, look. Fashionably late. <laughs> that's right. Mark Preston, our dear friend, is tuned in from Cheltenham. Cheltenham, England. How about that, Greg? Ever been there? I haven't, but he, he just reminded me that the that the North London Derby is this, <laughs> I think, this weekend. So, so well, I'm, I'm wondering if... Uh, our friends from Seattle are going to tune in and ah, razz us about the arsenal. We shall see. We yeah. shall see. But Mark, hey, safe travels and, and looking forward to your thoughts over the next hour. Okay. So, Greg, we got a jam-packed hour here with Jeff McCorston. Uh, where are we starting? Well, we were just talking about three decades. So let's talk, Jeff, about your three decades. So you've been in the industry for just over that, right? And I'm curious, as you've gone through your journey some of those roles or leaders or experiences that have really kind of helped you prepare for this incredible disruption that we've been experiencing over the last couple of years, 30 X months. Yeah. Well, I mean, so my elevator speech of my, uh, my 30 plus year career at UPS is, um, you know, uh, uh, 32 years, 11 relocations, three continents and 18 wow. different job assignments. Wow! Wow! I lived in Europe for six years and lived over in Asia for three years. We spent we spent nine of eleven years as a family outside the United States, and you know I, I think through the first half of my career was in the small parcel, the integrated network space. The second half, back in two thousand eight, is when I took over for uh, 
uh, the president role of Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And, and anybody knows what happened? I, I took the role in August of 2008, and in like September of 2008, which was the financial crisis, right? You know, right. And and people were talking about the fact that you know inventories excess, nothing's going in, in in 2009. But then all of a sudden, a huge recharge of inventory in 10, and and you know everyone was saying that this is unprecedented times. I think I've used the word unprecedented times at least seven different years in this 14 years that I've been in this freight forwarding space. You know, whether it be the Icelandic uh, volcanic ash, right? Whether, whether it be mo most recently with the pandemic and and what FEMA and Project Airbridge did to bring PPE into the United States, or or the COVID test kits building solutions to make it or move it around the United States, and then and then the over. 1.5 billion vaccines that uh, we've distributed around uh, 70 plus countries and territories. Mm. Unprecedented would be the word, Greg. You know, I think that's an unprecedented number of times to use the word unprecedented as well. So <laughs> add another one. <laughs> it, it is it is kind of funny when you've been in supply chain, particularly the Icelandic thing, right? We think about some of the issues that have that happened probably coincidentally with COVID, like the big freeze in Texas, you know, sh a ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal. Neither of those kind of events are the first of their kind of events to ever happen in supply chain. The difference, Jeff, is I think people know what the hell supply chain is now. So they heard about it and they cared and they realized the impact of it. So as I'm curious, because a lot of those things were a surprise, right, to the casual observer or consumer, or people who otherwise weren't aware of supply chain, but in all of those years and all of those experiences and incredibly diverse experiences, which must, must have been a huge blessing. What are some of the things in the last couple of years that have really surprised or challenged you and your team? Yeah, I would say, well, so March 23rd, 2020, we got a call from the White House to aid and assist with FEMA's Project Airbridge and bringing PPE into the United States. Mm. And we assembled a very small team. And we normally would run, call it 150 charter aircraft a year. Uh, in April, May, and June of 2020, we ran 130 aircraft each month. And so, wow. so call it almost you know, 400 uh, within that three-month period of time to get all PPE in. The, the surprise was how quickly we were able to pivot the agility and resiliency of us as a global freight forwarder pivoting to technology, where we never really thought about how valuable being face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball through the technology platforms was. And you know, still to this day, we have a weekly, uh, we call it our global freight forwarding connect call, where we have between 230 and 250 people from around the world that keep us up to date on what's going on in the market. Uh, and we have some fun with it, by the way. Yeah, that's a lot of Zoom windows open. <laughs> it is. So I just have to ask, Jeff, this is my follow on question. Would you say that's your first call from the White House or has that happened before? Yeah, well, it didn't come to me, but, oh. but it, did, it did come to Carol, uh, Tomei, okay. our CEO, yep. who then dispatched it to the proper people. And it landed with me on uh, on us making sure that we can provide the necessary support. And the way it worked was they, they got six companies to go source material. And these six right. companies needed, you know, freight forwarders to be able to identify and get charter aircraft and things of that nature. They needed they needed lift. And uh, we were able to uh, partner with four of those six. So we like to say we brought two thirds of the PPE into the mm -hmm. United States, or at least helped bring two thirds in. You know, it's it's moving the world forward by delivering what matters. And that's really our UPS purpose statement. Man, yeah, love that. noble mission, noble mission yep. indeed. Um, so, so you touched on this a little bit, but I want to really get your direct answer here. Through all of those challenges, all of those moves, uh, all of the uh, surprises that, that have come in recent years, what have you learned most about your organization through all these challenges? Well, we've always believed our people are our most important asset. <clears throat> they rose to the occasion during this time frame, no doubt about it. It was about resiliency and working. I mean, I give you one example with the, with the most recent China lockdown. We had forty plus employees that slept in our warehouse for over a hundred days. Wow, okay. that's that's committed to the cause and to helping supply chains continue to move. Our, our leadership model is all about 
head, heart, and hands. We're heads of you know innovation, forward, future thinking, things, complex problem solving. Heart's all about inspiration, uh, about being you know inclusive and collaborative, and then and then hands is about the execution. And I'd say that you know we had a really strong, balanced approach in our UPS global freight forwarding community during this last two and a half years. Mm. Greg, there are undoubtedly already being uh, having certain books written over what global supply chain teams have done in recent years. And if there uh, are only a handful, there needs to be at least two handfuls because what Jeff describes there, I find is really inspiring and really helps to address the art of the possible because we did some things as an industry that folks didn't think could happen. Right, Greg? Including folks within the industry. Of course, you know, folks who weren't aware of what supply chain was. And I think we've all been at cocktail parties or other parties where you said supply chain and watch people's eyes glaze over. So we know you did, you people out there did not know anything about supply chain, nor did you care. And frankly, you shouldn't. But mm. a lot of people learned about supply chain and that awareness um, has really changed the game for the entire industry. But yes, I think, I think even internally, we were all surprised internally what could be accomplished. Jeff, we've talked about that initiative with the vaccines with others of your colleagues, right? And it's a really impressive initiative. And there are all kinds of those things that happen all the time that the industry or that the casual observer or the consumer is not aware of. But yeah, it was an incredibly surprising time. I think we were as surprised as as you all were, even having, you know, you having been doing the doing for 30 years, right? Just what not just your company, but what the industry in general was capable of. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that really required a focused approach to get the 99.9% execution, service level execution, you know, no doubt about it. Yep. I, think, I think through, you know, Scott, you said, what's, what's changed when, when all the passenger aircraft were grounded. And I don't think a lot of people realize, but you know, triple seven, seven, four, seven, eight hundreds, you can put 40,000 kilos of cargo in the bellies of those aircraft. That's, that's a huge amount of capacity that was taken out. And then there was a pivot to, to freighters and to bring in freighters back and even bring in 747-200s back and, you know, and, and whatever, right. whatever you could bring in. But, but obviously, the supply-demand curve was significantly outpaced with, with demand, even though demand went down for the first, call it three months of the pandemic. It came back and charged really, really fast and furious, and and there wasn't enough capacity, and that's that that imbalance is what created the real swing in market rates in, in both the air and the ocean uh, right. markets. I I agree with you, Jeff, uh, and I think a lot of folks, a lot of consumers, even the frequent flyers, might be surprised of just how much of the supply global supply chain is powered by the cargo in the bellies of these aircraft. But all of that aside, I kind of, we've looked back a lot. I think all three of us have really picked up on some of the silver linings of what in the last two or three years have brought. But I want to kind of pick your brain a little bit more in a different capacity here. So lots, tons and tons, metric tons of market uncertainty out there. How can companies deal with all of that, Jeff? Communicate, communicate, communicate with, with your partners. It's getting more insights with market trends thought leadership, uh, you know, scenario planning. I, I think about building playbooks and putting them on the shelf so that you're not reacting with business continuity and risk when it confronts you, but you've already thought through at least pieces of that. So you're mm -hmm. not starting from scratch. Mm. All right, Greg, based on what Jeff shared there, starting with communicate, 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 and then some communicate some more. Your thoughts there on what Jeff shared. Yeah, I think, you know, this is, I don't even know if we've shared this with Jeff before, but this is the first thing I learned about supply chain when I realized I was in the supply chain industry more than two decades ago, uh, which is as much as I'll confess to Jeff, but, but it was well more than two. So, and that was assume everyone will fail you. And while not the most uplifting of messages, it does, it does require you to do exactly what you're talking about. Create those playbooks, expect failure, expect failure at different stages, expect disruption and provision for that. Those playbooks are really, really important. And I think that's, that's something that we, we have to do. In the physical, and this is sort of an uh, interesting twist, in the physical logistics space, I mean, what, you know, what we would call 
logistics or transportation or whatever, that has long been the case. But when shippers are planning, they usually plan for the worst by expecting the best, all other things being equal, right? One of the tenants that I think should be removed from supply chain forever is this notion of all all other things being equal because of course, Jeff, they never are, right? <laughs> and we need to expect to be agile, to be resilient, to be responsive and to do so rapidly and effectively. And I think those playbook, that playbook idea, or at least, you know, whatever the, the metaphorical notion of such a thing is, uh, absolutely critical for companies to assure resilience. Metaphorical notions and magic potions all getting us through. <laughs> Ooh, the, look at the, you <laughs> making it rhyme. <laughs> hey, Jeff, we'll keep going down this path here. But first, I want to share just a couple of quick comments here. Shelly, who is a guru, she's with us in a lot of these live streams, also in supply chain, says, no kidding, Greg, I swear no one around me knew what I did until the toilet paper shortage. And I bet a lot of folks can relate to that. Kind of what, Greg, you were sharing earlier. Dr. Rhonda, listening from the desert. Oh, I bet that you've got gorgeous views there in Arizona, buffering a little bit, uh, but communicating as much as she can. Well, Dr. Rhonda, thanks for being here. I imagine her on the top of Camelback Mountain, and cell coverage is awful up there, ironically. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think supply chain executives, you know, made it to the boardroom through this last two plus. Absolutely. Hours. Yeah. That's and a great point. So. I mean, we have been right. asking for that seat at the table, right? right? And we got it. And how. Right, right, wrong, or indifferent. Maybe it was because they had to explain either why the inventory isn't isn't moving, had to explain the disruptions, you know, at the ports with the congestion, or had to explain the transportation cost increases. Agreed. And that speaking of trends in recent years, that's definitely one big trend, right? Chief, uh, the creation and the proliferation of chief supply chain officers and the like, which is a wonderful thing in the boardroom. So. Speaking of other trends that you see out there impacting shipping and trade going into the new year, what else do you see, Jeff? Well, I mean, from a macroeconomic industry perspective, we're, we're seeing softening, right? Uh, you know, not my evidence, but real real GDP is is softening. It's going to be down to two point three percent. It'll probably be more soft in, in first half and, and maybe strengthen a little bit in the second half. Same same goes for the case in the eurozone, but it gets even more. Eurozone is going down GDP, real GDP down from 2.9% down to 0.85. So softening in the marketplace, you know, the, the, the situation that, that is in front of most right now, and, and, and you hear it is, is inventories are high. So, so now capacity is outpacing demand. If you go to the ocean marketplace, you see a lot of blank sailings still to try to manage capacity timing with demand. But even with that, capacity has outpaced demand here in the last, call it uh, three or four months. Mm. 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 Greg, any comments, sir? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that we're seeing too, and I, I see this a lot from brand manufacturers and the retailer standpoint is there's a lot of inventory. There's a lot of the wrong inventory. When I think about finished goods inventory, so there's still opportunity to catch up. My concern now is that the consumer um, is consumer confidence is fading. People are starting to feel less and less good about the savings that they built up during, you know, during the time that they were getting uh, sub subsidies. Sorry, I didn't. I forgot what to call those. I didn't get any, so <laughs> I don't really care. Um, but now you know they're starting to feel less and less confident and. Now is the time. We've seen some major retailers make some major mistakes. Walmart, Target, Kohl's, and many others are overstocked on patio furniture is the example I always use, or lots of home goods and, of course, sweatpants. So, And demand has shifted. And because there's so much tied up and because of this imbalance of both inventory capital and and of course, also of transportation capability, it's really difficult to catch up. So right. there's a, this misalignment that goes with oversupply as well. Misalignment is, is a great word, Greg. And, it, and I, not even misalignment with the merchandise, but misalignment with, take, take ocean, for example, and supply and demand. It, it, you know, if I said capacity is outpacing demand, then people would say, well, tell me why we still have port congestion on the West Coast. Right. Tell me why we still have you know 50 plus vessels anchored and it's going the wrong way. And I, and I think it comes down to, you know, we're, we're on the task force to try to solve this problem. Uh, UPS is, and that, you know, and so we're, this cross-functional task force with retailers, with freight forwarders, 
working with the ports of, of LA and Long Beach to try to solve the problem. And it really comes down to right now, an imbalance of rail cars and chassis is mm -hmm. creating that bottleneck. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and even though they could probably get the throughput on the port, they can't take it away. And if you think about dwell times of intermodal uh, rail cars going in inland, uh, it, it, you, you know, a 90 day average was 14 day dwell time. A 60 day was 12 day dwell time. Hmm. And the most recent 30 days only at seven days dwell time. So it's getting better, but there's still seven day dwell time mm -hmm. on average, which right. means you have some that are dwelling 20 and 30 days. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, you know what it, this made me do is look at my marine, my marine traffic app, which it probably won't focus on. There you go. And you're looking at both the ports of Savannah and the port of Charleston in that picture, one with no backlog and one with 37 ships waiting offshore. And Savannah is, has their backlog, not necessarily because of oversupply, but also because they had one of the usual things happen, right? They had a lift go down or a couple lifts needing maintenance. And so it created this backup, but you combine that with this incredible mismatch of and, and imbalance and it creates a jam. And those, those ports are literally two hour, three hours drive from one another, about three hours sail as well. Hmm. So it's just incredible how targeted the disruption is. Agreed. Jesse agrees with you here, uh, Jeff. Absolutely. The great imbalance has shifted from lack of containers to that of the rail car and chassis. So folks, according to Jesse, if you want to take those containers and build small houses, you can do that now. We needed all those back a few years ago, but now you can build houses and clubhouses. Uh, Rhonda says she's watching these shows and these conversations a lot more since the costs of everyday things have jumped substantially that's a great point we talked about pickles yesterday over a hundred percent inflation that's right well you know speaking of which one last thing and then uh, jeff we're gonna continue here computer chips i know computer chips goes in everything these days in sneakers to help folks run faster like like me maybe everything dishwashers you name it but did y'all see the latest ground they've broken a 15 billion dollar facility up in idaho for specifically memory chips so in a couple of years we're going to have computer chips coming out of our ears for years we'll see all right so jeff and greg i want to keep driving here uh in particular i want to uh jeff you've already kind of touched on this in a couple of different ways but what else is going on uh, with shipping rates that's the big one of the big questions on everyone's mind here yeah, so let me uh, let me just piggyback on Jesse's comment and what we were just talking about the East Coast, yep. right? So with this bottleneck that takes place on the West Coast, with some concerns of the ILWU, with, with all of that, even though rates have gone down significantly, they're not at pre-pandemic rates. But if you think about a Transpac West Coast, premium rates were north of twenty thousand dollars for premium boxes. Now there, uh, there there are no premiums. It's 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 normal spot rates, you know, hovering in the call it three thousand range. Mm. Now, now that's still above pre-pandemic, but uh, it's gone down significantly. Six months ago, that was at the eight to nine thousand range. So when when you think about the disruption on the West Coast, though, that's fine. You bring it on in. It's holding at the at the congestion. You can't get chassis. You can't get rail. It's going all, all the way over more and more are pivoting to the East Coast, which is part of that, Greg, as far as seeing more demand on the East Coast. Right. But they're also doing it to protect the inventory that they know that needs to get over on the East Coast. Now, that East Coast rate has not dropped because if you think about what intermodal rates and transload rates have done to be able to move it from the West Coast to the East Coast. So those uh, those East Coast rates are still in the, call it seven to 7,500 range. Wow. So uh, Greg, really quick along these lines, since uh, Jeff uh, mentioned your app, uh, oh. we've got a user here. I think this is, I think this is Dominica, I think. But anyway, what what is that app you were just sharing? Yeah, there are dozens of them, but that one is called Marine Traffic. So okay, all right, they use the AIS uh, transponders on ships to and and by the way, yachts. We were talking about following people's jets, right? You can also follow their yachts. Um, they use the AIS tra transponders to identify if where where a particular vessel is and whether it's in motion or at anchor. Yep. 
Um, yeah, so that, check that it out. Conversation. I'm going to digress just real quickly. Yeah. Please, we're, Jeff, we're, give, we're, us, give it to us. Celebrating my wife's 55th birthday out on a 150-foot gullet wooden ship with five other uh, friends. And uh, they had one of those apps. And it's amazing what some of those oligarch yachts sell for. Yeah, uh, it's it's cool. It's really cool to track, right? <laughs> Hope to ride on one at some point in time in my lifetime. But in the meantime, I'll, I'll just track them, Greg. A lot um, of them are in Monte Carlo. So uh, save yourself the time and just fly to Monte Carlo. <laughs> That's a so, expensive flight. Uh, I can only imagine. So, Jeff, before we move on, because uh, next we're going to be offering up some tips for folks that are you know, trying to figure out the next freight forwarding move, be it air freight, be it ocean, anything else you want to mention when it comes to what's going on with shipping rates? Yeah, so I mentioned ocean. I didn't cover air yet. You know, if we think about the imbalance of supply and demand that's transpired over the last three years, and and now more and more passenger aircraft as Euro and Asia specifically is opening up, the, the more and more passenger aircraft coming in, albeit the passenger still won't be at the capacity level that it was pre-pandemic, but it's increasing. And with all of the freighters that have been introduced in the marketplace, instead of call it 40 tons per in the belly, it's, it's 100, 120 tons on the upper deck. Uh, you know, the capacity is, is started to outpace demand the past, call it three months. And we're seeing that uh, continue. Um, and, and the good news there is, you know, rates are coming down. For, for everyone. Hopefully this continues down all the way to the consumer back and, and the rates are coming down. They're still above pre-pandemic rates on the air freight side as well, but they're nowhere near those rates that we saw a year and a half. Yep. That is good news for sure. All right. So let's move into, I love this practical question here. Uh, you know, just like uh, Ron alluded, some of our listeners are looking for, be, you know, Many of our listeners are looking for better ways that market intel that helps them make better decisions. So, Jeff, what tips would you share with our listeners who are trying to figure out their next freight forwarding move? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it comes back a little bit more towards what we already talked about, you know, b- building the playbooks, uh, planning ahead, you know, planning for different scenarios, being ready to pivot quickly and, and you know, understanding that what you think is going to happen six months from now, most likely will not. And so being able to you know, build a plan, execute towards that plan and pivot on the, on the run because you know, the, the future is as uncertain as the past two to three years have been. Mm, well said, Jeff. And Greg, that squares with a lot of our conversations here. How would you respond to Jeff's comments, sir? Yeah, I think you, you know, you- that playbook needs to consider not only, well, not specifically the action that occur, but instead the consequence, because there are a lot of things that could cause your product to be delayed. And what you've got to do is have kind of a goal-oriented focus in this playbook, because it could be the ship gets stuck, weather impacts, whatever it is, but the outcome of that is really what you have to plan for, right? Now, what specifically happens will will impact the steps, the specific tactical steps, but the strategy of our product is delayed, let's just say. You need to have a plan for that and then insert those tactical things into the playbook for why is it delayed. Mm. Yeah. And when you're talking about tactical, I think, you know, you, you can think about mode shift from air to ocean, but within air, you can think about what do you want to lock up depending on the size you are with charter aircraft, or hard block space agreements or soft block space or, or how much is, is just going to be spot rate. And the same goes on the ocean side with fixed and, and floating. And, mm-hmm. you know, many were predicting certain things that are transpiring differently. And so I would say just continue to talk to your, uh, you know, logistics providers, your freight forwarders uh, more often and continue to lean into thought, thought leadership to try to understand because no one has the crystal ball. But right. the more the more you hear, the more you can assimilate, uh, and the more you can protect ultimately your customers through mm. inventory management. Well said. I, I don't know. I think my mom does have a crystal ball because she has been tell, telling, reminding me how right she's been for years now, and and that's right as well. So, mom, if you're listening, great great to see you yesterday. Um, <laughs> hey, Jeff. Uh, 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 Greg, rather. This was Colleen. Colleen, great to have you back with us here today, speaking about the app that uh, Greg was using. Hopefully you can check that out. 
Um, Dr. Rhonda says, hey, Scott, manufacturer of chips from Taiwan is building a huge factory about 20 miles away from my home. It's on the undeveloped land north of the city. And again, Dr. Rhonda's in Arizona. I've been watching the cranes and buying process, building process, probably pretty impressed and will continue to create some opportunities. It Undoubtedly, uh, I lost count of how many foundries are being built uh, coast to coast now. But again, they're going to be addressing that supply, right? Already are. And um, manufacturing is definitely coming back to the United States. And there's a term that you know I've coined, maybe it's already out there, but it's a, it's a far sourcing near shoring where you bring the product in far source, but you're bringing it in and you're moving in bond into Mexico and you sit it in, in Mexico and a DC. So it's, it's e-commerce from Asia, but it actually can be delivered within five days. And they use the, the floating you know, inventory, if you will, to bring, bring the product over. Okay. Well, you know, we were, we were touched on friend shoring, I think, Greg, uh, on one of our last, uh, shows with a, a UPS executive. And, and that's that's a very interesting, uh, similar conversation. But hey, as we start to kind of come down the the final leg of our conversation here with Jeff McCorson, Jeff, in a nutshell, let's level set with all, maybe the three people out there that may not know. But what do you and the UPS Global Freight Forwarding Team do? So we have uh, 12,500 employees around 220 countries and territories. And we, we move the uh, freight on our customers' behalf, international air freight, ocean freight, less than container load, ocean freight, preferred uh, LCL. We, we do order management and supplier management in our ocean product as well. We're uh, the world's largest customs broker when it comes to brokerage services. We have an integrated North American air freight product and network, a one-day, two-day, three-day network, as well as a, a North America, so Canada, U.S. and Mexico ground freight product, and, hmm. and that's just one. Uh, that's just one business unit that we do in global freight forwarding that rolls up to four business units in our supply chain solutions group. So we have freight brokerage in the United States. We uh, we do uh, contract logistics globally as well. So anything to connect the end-to-end supply chain for your needs and your customers. We think about it, our, our, our evolved strategy is all about orchestration. So orchestrating the supply chain from, from beginning to end with visibility and physical along the way. I love that. One of our favorite words, Greg, orchestration, orchestration. Yeah. Reminds of, of, it sounds so elegant, it's, really. <laughs> I mean, it's so it, neat. it is really that, right? It's bringing back. Tough, tough to get it right. <laughs> yeah, right. And who wants to be the maestro? That's the question. <laughs> that's you jeff you're welcome <laughs> you and your army of twelve thousand five hundred maestros out there uh, yeah i got that number right yeah uh, well no doubt. really appreciate uh what you and your team do thanks for uh sharing that uh big thanks to uh let's see bo uh thanks for all your leadership jeff great podcast thank you for being here bo there's somebody looking for a raise thanks bo. <laughs> <laughs> bo let us know where you are tuned in from, uh, would really appreciate that. Okay. So you don't just come bring in your valuable perspective, Jeff, but you bring resources. One of our favorite things here. So Greg, let's harken back. Uh, I think about a year, maybe a little bit year and some change. We participated on the UPS supply chain, virtual connect 2021, right. I believe it was. Yep. Well, the fourth edition of this popular virtual event is here. It's right. It's, I think it's next week, October 5th from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time, all virtual. Before I ask Jeff, why should folks tune in? Greg, we really enjoyed the conversation with uh, Romain and Philippe, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the reason you want to be there is because these are the people that are doing the doing. They're doing the delivering. And and not only can you can you connect with the folks like Jeff's team who who make it happen, but also those people who have a common interest and issue other shippers if you're a shipper right all of you know if you're a carry uh, transportation provider whatever right uh, all of those people get to share perspectives that are going to be really valuable as we go through what will undoubtedly be a disruptive time I, right. I think we may not need to say unprecedented this time <laughs> Jeff but but still as Jeff said earlier as unpredictable 
right? And um, I, I think, you know, we saw so many people get so much benefit from just sharing and, and hearing from others at, at that event last year. Agreed. So, Jeff, with that backdrop that Greg just shared, and I echo a lot of what Greg shared, why should folks attend this year's supply UPS Supply Chain Virtual Connect? I mean, it's about uh, sharing thought leadership. You know, the 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 platform is is really cool. It's like a conference room set up, but virtually. So you go to a main stage, but you have you know six to ten breakout sessions. It's going to be much more detailed than the conversation we just had when it comes to ocean and, and air market outlook and trends. Uh, we'll cover things like supply chain sustainability, uh, the orchestration. We're going to have our, our partners from uh, Global Logistics and Distribution and, and Coyote and Coyote Go and uh, many other um, uh, partners there to be able to share how we can actually bring everything together in a digitally enabled environment to be able to make supply chain folks' lives a little bit easier from a end-to-end perspective. You know, we'll also cover geopolitical trade and and how, how those are impacting. You know, we didn't talk about the U.S.-China tariffs that hit right. you know a few years ago, and and there's still some talk that there might be some changes there. Anytime a change takes place, um, it it disrupts sometimes positively, sometimes negatively, but it's a change for sure. So. Stay tuned there. You're gonna. You're not gonna hear from me. You're gonna hear from the people that really uh, make it happen, where, where the rubber meets the road. Well, we really Literally. appreciate. It. <laughs> That's right. Uh, really appreciate that. And our team's trying to make it easy, folks. This is a free event, free virtual event. Uh, and and uh, as Jeff mentioned, a lot of different speakers, a lot of different topics. We've dropped the link there, October fifth. 10 a.m., uh, I think to 1, 8, 1 p.m. I almost said 1 a.m. That'd be quite an event. Uh, 1 p.m. Eastern It'd be time. 1 a.m. somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Bo, answer, and you shall receive. Bo is tuned in from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where Greg and Jeff, our 2021 World Series champion, Atlanta Braves, were meeting with the president yesterday. There were some really cool pictures that came out of that. I love, Jeff, not sure if you, you saw that. Greg, you and I chat about it. I love looking at all the the, um, you know, we're used to seeing all of our Atlanta baseball players in the same uniform and then they show up in the White House and then you can see all their their different uh, fashion choices. Uh, it's fascinating. Sure. <laughs> uh, but hey, we're all still celebrating that World Series championship. Uh, I hope Jerry, you had some time to get in some batting practice. <laughs> me yeah. too. Well, that was with the Nationals last night. Oh, just kidding, Nationals Ooh, fans. Nice. Just kidding. No, we're uh, never kidding with Nationals fans. <laughs> one game back of the Nets. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Jerry says, I tell manufacturers who ask that it's critical your forwarding suppliers have contingency plans for your supply chains. And Jeff, I think you touched on that in probably the first half of our chat here today, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, yep. the, the, those contingency plans are are us building them, the, the, the manufacturers building them, the suppliers building them, the customers building them, you know, it's, it's all up and down the chain. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, uh, this may be Colleen again, the team will know. I'm glad to share this with the management team later this morning. The more info we can share, the better. What a crazy past few years. And we can all echo that. But hey, check out the virtual connect. A lot more conversations like this one there. Uh, appreciate this, Tim. Been a long, long Wednesday already, folks. Uh, Tim Wing says, uh, great content at Supply Chain Virtual Connect with great subject matter experts. Good old SMEs. It's only Tuesday, Scott, so imagine how long that is. <laughs> That's true. It is only Tuesday, isn't it? Um, <laughs> hey, when you're having I think fun, we all get it now. <laughs> yes. I, amen to that. When you're having fun, we lose track of time for sure. Um, okay, Jeff, uh, let's make sure folks know how to connect with you and the UPS global freight forwarding team beyond the event they should all be at October 5th. How can folks connect with you? Sure. I think, uh, I think they posted it out on the chat, my LinkedIn, uh, but you know, Jeff McCorson and LinkedIn, you know, I, I'm Jay McCorson at ups.com. And, uh, and, and you can also reach out to our, our global freight forwarding group with a ups.com forward slash supply chain. Really? Okay. A lot of good stuff there. So Jeff, while we still have you and, and, uh, I know you're on a tight schedule, so we're going to uh, let you have the rest of your day in just a second. But, Greg, while we still have Jeff here, he's he has brought a um, a van full of knowledge, an iconic van full of knowledge here today. Um, what's one of your favorite things Jeff shared with us? I, I mean, I think communication has to be it. 
Right. If there's anything we we found, and Scott, we heard companies telling us this early in the early in the pandemic, and you know what I'm about to say, it's too late to make friends now. Mm. Right. If you have been incommunicative or worse yet, mistreating of your trading partners, when there's a crisis is not the time you want to have to make friends. And um, that communication was largely, um, I mean, other than, I'm going to use the word, Jeff, unprecedented demand shifts. Yeah. Other than those unprecedented demand shifts, communication was really at the root of a lot of the, of the supply chain disruption that we had. Mm. Uh, so I think you have to focus on that. Look, this is an unbelievably interactive, integrated, inter-enterprise, all those enters industry, right? Everyone is a provider and everyone is a dependent in some way, right? Mm. Consumers depend on, on their retailers. Retailers depend on their manufacturer on, on their manufacturers. Everyone depends on transportation and invert every one of those statements, mm. right? Retailers depend on their consumers. I'll just leave it at that one, right? <laughs> and as we know, I think one of the things as we think about what could happen in supply chain, you have to remember this one single tenant of supply chain, and that is that consumers are the beginning and the end of the supply chain. Everything that happens in the supply chain, good, bad, indifferent, disruptive, or or heteris paribus, all other things being equal, is because of the consumers. So keep your eye on the consumer, your best chance at looking forward, at preempting, at predicting some of the disruptions that we talked about, mm -hmm. right, over that could come over the next six months, is not to keep your eyes on your products. Keep your eyes on your consumers, on your customers, and that will give you the earliest and best indicator of where things like demand shifts are occurring mm -hmm. or trends up or down are, you know, are occurring. Um, preferences are changing, things like that. Well said, Greg. Okay, Jeff, you've been, uh, you made quite an impact uh, here from Anna. Excellent discussion today. Thank you to Shelly. Thank you, Jeff, to uh, Sophia. Very awesome conversation on the inside of supply chain from freight giants like UPS. Thank you, Jeff. Very nice. I appreciate that. Um, so, Jeff, thank you. thank you so much for your time. Jeff McCorson, President UPS Global Freight Forwarding. We look forward to reconnecting with you again very soon. Appreciate it, Scott, Greg, and everyone out there. Have an awesome Thanks, day. Jeff. All right. A lot of good stuff there from Jeff. Uh, and Greg, I liked your, your, some of your final comments there. It, it's tough to pick uh, some of our favorite parts that Jeff shared. I, you know, going back to that communicate, communicate, communicate. Uh, one of my thoughts that comes to mind is, um, you know, take it off email, take it off Slack, take it off text. Sometimes, oftentimes, not even sometimes, oftentimes, nothing can replace a phone conversation or better yet, I know we're all zoomed out to some degree, but a video call where you can kind of gauge body language. And, you know, the, those little signals that are lost on email and text and Slack can really help uh, progress a solution or a remedy or a uh, more better cohesion in a much more powerful manner. So pick up That's the phone. a really, really great insight. I mean, even if it is virtual, mm. virtually in person, I think in person is so powerful because you can see some, like you said, body language, voice, vocal inflection, all of those things, right? And you can really interact. I mean, look, Jeff's team is maintaining a, a habit that they created during the, you know, the time that they were moving so much in, in terms of, of vaccines and that sort of thing. And they still yep. continue to have hundreds and hundreds of people on a, on a call that's face to face. Why? Because they still see the value in it and they still create and get value in it. And also to, to Jeff's point earlier, it's not all business, right? There are per personal interactions and there are personal relationships that are created and fostered in that environment. So I agree, Scott, that is so powerful. And I, and you know, it's funny because, you know, I work with investors as well and a lot of them have been talking about the absolute necessity of getting together in person. And mm. I know that's not always practical. Right. And certainly some people don't want to do it all the time, but I've seen it. I mean, I've been managing virtual companies since 2001. And, um, I've, you know, we've managed to figure out how to create an in-person uh, dynamic from time to time. And just the power of it, everybody resists it three weeks a month. And then when right. we would get 
everyone together for that one week, they would all go, oh, yeah, that's why we do this. <laughs> Things that had taken weeks to solve remotely were solved in minutes, literally minutes, um, with developers who, right. I'll confess, you know, they're not always the most social of people. But when you get them together in their element, magic happens. Right. And I, I think there's a lot of that. And know? just for context, Greg, you're a developer, so you're kind of pointing the finger at yourself to some degree, right? You're, you've been I am there, no longer that. allowed to be a developer by truly <laughs> okay. talented developers, right? I'm the sales guy is what they call me. Um, but, but yes, I was once a developer. Well, folks, uh, again, check out that Supply Chain Virtual Connect uh, coming up on October 5th. We've got the link in there. Very convenient. Hey, if you're if you're on the fence, you may or may not be able to make it. Go ahead and sign up. Uh, who knows? They may have some demand uh, content on demand like they did last year. So y'all check that out. Uh, big thanks to all the comments. I want to go back to this one here. Olo Bumi, uh, great to have you here via LinkedIn, says, I'm glad to be part of this. Quote, assume everyone will fail you. And quote, expect failure and disruptions. These need to be overemphasized in our processes. Excellent point there. Shelley says, isn't it interesting that the more technology we use, the more it really comes back to communication and relationships. It really gives us more time for those things if we're doing it right. If we're right. using technology the right way, it gives us more of that interactive and that um, Human. ethereal moment. Yes. And Shelly, by the way, um, she's with us very often on these live streams. I love the new headshot. Uh, oh, yeah. By the way. She changed her hair. That's right. And right. the whole the whole look, uh, the whole. Uh, yeah, I was wondering what looked different there. <laughs> uh, hey, Fong, really appreciate uh, your feedback here. Great session. Thank you, team. Today, uh, Jesse says unprecedented plus agility equals resiliency. Great podcast today. I love. Hey, I love his math. <laughs> he I love hit, Jesse's math. Yeah. He, he hit all of the keywords of yes, the pandemic, did. right? That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, everybody. Uh, thanks again. Uh, I want to end on this note here, Dr. Rhonda. We've all changed over three years, and we need to have folks back as they are and reconnect as we build new working relationships. Uh, very well said and very true, Dr. Rhonda, and I appreciate what yeah. you do in that regard. Okay. Uh, big thanks again to Jeff McCorston. Uh, with UPS Global Freight Forwarding for joining us. Big thanks to our production team to help make us uh, make today happen. All the comments. Now, we couldn't get to all of them. Thank you so much for tuning in, tuning in and adding your perspective on the conversation we've had. Greg, always a pleasure. Knocking Likewise, these out with you. thank you. You bet. Uh, again, uh, for all the folks in the path or around the path or have family members or friends, you name it, uh, in the path of Hurricane Ian, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And we're going to be sharing some resources that our global audience can support that, that will help with a lot of the recovery operations to come. So stay tuned for that. But whatever you do, folks, got to take action. Deeds, not words, right? Scott Luton and Greg White on behalf of our entire Supply Chain Now team, challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change that's needed. And with that note, we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.